0: Uh, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse number 9, we'll read down to verse number 14. And when he had spoken these things, talking about Jesus, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This Same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealotus, means Simon the Zealot, uh, and Judas, the brother of James, not that Judas, a different Judas. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Okay, an amazing passage of scripture we're going to look in. But I want to let you guys know just to give you some context. In this sermon series, we're talking about how to reach the next level. Not just how to reach the next level, generally speaking, but how to reach the next level when it comes to our faith. As believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, whatever you want to call it, as believers, we're trying to learn how we can reach the next level, take that next step, reach that next new height. And uh, last week we established this, uh, that if we want to reach the next level, we have to connect what we learn to how we live. Those things, they have to be in conjunction with each other. We learned that last week. If you, if, if you want to reach the next level, if you want to take the next step, we have to connect what we learn to how we live. Because the truth is, as Christians, as believers, we learn lots of stuff. We accumulate lots of knowledge. And after a period of time, we can start to think that because we know all this stuff, that we're a good Christian, that we are close to God. The truth is, when we connect what we learn to how we live, that's when we start to grow. We talked about salvation. We started with salvation. Salvation isn't some religion just hocus-pocus. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, Actually, it changes our eternity. It changes our eternal destination. It's, uh, it can change the way we live, and it's the, it's the very foundation of everything we believe. Today, we're heading in a different direction uh, than salvation. We're talking about Christian community. If there is one thing that will help us reach the next level as believers, it is uh, learning about and living in community with other believers. This is, this is important. You may not think this is important. You may think, oh, this is just a kind of a, a side deal along with my church, side deal along with Christianity. This might be one of the most important parts of your faith. And, and you already know that community is true. You already know that community is true. In a general sense, we already understand this. Because if uh, if your kid comes to you and says, hey, I want to become, uh, I want to I play baseball or I want to play basketball, or, there's some sport. I want to I get into karate or whatever. What do you do? As a parent, you say, okay, let me enlist you in a league. Let me help you take a class. Let me enlist you in a class Why? Why do you do that as a parent? Because if you get them around other children who want to play that same game and who also are headed in the same direction, they also want to become better at whatever sport, well, then they're going to become better at that sport than if they were just to learn by themselves. You want them to be a part of a league with other kids who are headed in the same direction because that's how they get better. That's how they grow. It's with other kids being taught, growing together. And the same is true uh, as adults. You think of, of CrossFit. Now, I'm not going to like Look, CrossFit people are a little strange. Let's just admit it this morning. CrossFit people, they're just these people that they carry really heavy tires. They throw heavy stuff. They do weird things. Looks like it hurts their back. But they're this community of people who are trying to trying to get fit, trying to exercise. And, and the cool thing about CrossFit is is, is, that there's this little community that keep each other accountable, and the more they keep each other accountable, and they talk to each other, they build friendships, they're able to head in the same direction, they're able to improve in a way that they never could individually. And so, community, we understand community in a general sense, it, it helps us reach the next level, it helps us grow, it helps us to become a better people. Now, community isn't just good for, for learning new behaviors, but it's also good for unlearning bad behaviors. So it's not just good in one direction, it helps us unlearn bad behaviors. And we all know this is true because we've heard of AA classes. If someone is help, uh, ha- dealing with some type of addiction, they're dealing with some type of uh, substance abuse or even sometimes some small addiction, maybe you're addicted to chocolate or whatever, you want to join a class so you can unlearn this bad behavior. So we know community is good for learning and taking the next level. It's also good for unlearning bad behavior. There's a third thing community is good for. Community is good for Helping others grow. It's not just good for me growing. It's it's good to help other people grow. We know this because you see people uh, that they will help and be a part of an inner city soup kitchen. What is that? What is that? All these people gathering together, this little soup kitchen, they're gathering together and headed in one direction, trying to help these other people who are hurting or perhaps who don't, uh, don't have as much as those people do. They're trying to help other people grow. That's what community is good for. Learning new behavior, reaching the next level, unlearning bad behavior, helping other people people grow. And so, in fact, most of our lives, most of the important events in our life revolve around community. You think of, uh, the, the, from the very beginning, birth. When, 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 uh, when a child is born, when a baby is born, it's just not like a, a one-person event. This is, this is obviously the the, the, the hardest. The hardship is really bared on the mother, because she's, she's the one bearing the child and all of that. But it's really just, it, it's, it's not just the mother, it's also the husband. It's not just the husband, it's also the grandparents. It's not just the grandparents, it's all the people that are friends with that particular couple. It's not just the friends, it's also the extended family who hear about it, and they're trying to surround and so they have this baby shower, where it's not just family, friends, and a husband, and the kids, it's just a whole community of people that you know, friends from work, friends from wherever you are, gathering together, helping this person as they raise this new child, so even from the beginning of our life, we're we're headed in a direction where we're, where our lives are built around community. You think of a wedding, that's just That's lots of people. I know everyone always says, I want to have a small wedding. It always ends up being really a big wedding. You think of a funeral. From from birth to death, even the funeral, there's a bunch of people gathered around a person, uh, uh, mourning and weeping as that person leaves. So the important events in our life center around community. And, And Christianity is no different than that. Christianity goes along with that. The important events in our life as Christians, they have to deal with community. So the question is, what does Christian community look like? Or what should it look like? And the second question is, why is it important to our life? We understand that community, generally speaking, is important to our life. Why is Christian community important to our life? And we see this in Acts chapter 12, the verses we just read. Look at verse number 12 and 13. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John and all of the disciples. So the book of Acts starts. Just to give you a little precursor, a little little warm-up. The book of Acts starts with Jesus. And he's about to ascend up into heaven. You guys remember this story. That all the disciples are are gathered around Jesus on the mount called Olivet, near Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem. All the disciples are gathered around Jesus and Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven. And Jesus tells them, before he ascends ascends up into heaven, Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the great commission Jesus gives the disciples before he ascends up into heaven. He tells them this. He tells the disciples. And then, Right before their eyes, right before their eyes, right before the disciples' eyes, Jesus starts to ascend up into heaven. And Right after Jesus ascends up into heaven, two angels appear out of nowhere and they tell the disciples, why are you guys standing here? Go. You guys aren't supposed to be just standing here. What are you guys doing gawking at this guy who's just ascended up into heaven? You guys need to go and tell the world about Jesus. This is where the book of Acts starts. And so, the, the disciples, they hear everything that's going on. They see what's happening. They, they're, gawking at, they're gawking at Jesus being ascended up into heaven. It's not every day that you see a guy start to float into midair. I mean, not unless you're on the strong stuff. You don't see people just floating up into midair. This is what, and so they're, think, they're, 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 they're probably thinking, or at least if I was them, I would be thinking, okay, this guy's just ascended up into heaven. The angels just told us that Jesus could come back at any time. What are we going to do? We need to go back to Jerusalem. We need to tell everybody about Jesus. We need to give everybody the gospel, tell them about Jesus. We need to go to every single person and tell them about Jesus because he could be coming back any day. That's what I would have been doing. I would have got on my, I would got on my phone. I would have been like Facebooking and tweeting and, and Twittering and, and, and Instagramming all these stories. Jesus saves. Turner Burn. I would, have, I would have started tweeting all this crazy stuff. Jesus, look, you guys need to tell That's not what the disciples do counterintuitively that's not what the disciples do even though even though Jesus has just told them to go into the, all the world even though the two angels tell them go back to Jerusalem go tell the world they don't go back and tell the world what's the first thing they do it's very important the first thing they do they go back into Jerusalem they find a house they go up into the upper room of that house and they just gather together So Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The angels had told them essentially the same thing. And the disciples, they go back after hearing everything and seeing everything and experiencing everything. They go back and they go to this intimate place, not a great temple, not a great hall, a home, an intimate space. Why? Why did they do this? Because From the very beginning, the the disciples understood that the most important part, the most important thing they could do was come together in Christian community. Before they did all these other things, before they did uh, what they they knew that they were going to do eventually, they came together as believers. The most important thing they could do was gather together with other believers. That's what Christian community looks like. Believers gathering together. That's the place where spiritual growth is stimulated believers gathering together, these small groups coming together in an intimate space, eating together, learning the Bible together, praying together, doing Christian community together. That is what helps us move forward. That is what helps us take the next step. That's what helps us reach our next level as believers. You think of each Christian. You think of each person. You think of yourself as a toothpick. Not really a, a flattering thing to think about, but you think of each person as a toothpick, each believer that you know as a toothpick. By themselves, these toothpicks can't really do that much, right? You can't do much with a toothpick. Get some lettuce out of your teeth, that's about it. You can't do much. But if you put all the toothpicks together, say all of us here together represent one toothpick, but you're going to put all those toothpicks together. Maybe some of you have done this maybe in high school or middle school. I have a picture of what you can do with all these toothpicks. So just one, just one, by itself, you can take two fingers and go and snap it in half. But if you were to take scores, if you were to gather together a bunch of toothpicks, a bunch of believers, guess what could happen? They could bear the weight, an exponential amount of weight more together than they ever could individually they can move forward and and head in a direction with such power that they never could do individually. You know what Bible's saying to us this morning? Yes, there's lots of stuff for us to do. Yes, there's lots of things we deal with in life that we wish we didn't have to deal with. But God's got it figured out. Jesus has got us figured out. He's saying by yourself, you can't really do that much. But when you gather together with other believers, when you come together in Christian community, there is so much more you can accomplish. Yes, by yourself. I am weak. I'm just one toothpick. But together we can do so much more. So it is when believers gather together, we become exponentially stronger together than we were apart. God has designed, he designed the Christian life so that when believers gather together, exponential growth becomes possible. Why? Why is this, why is this, why is that possible? Because when we gather together as believers, God gathers with us. You see, when we gather together, God gathers with us. When we show up, God shows up, and it is, and he's the adhesive. He's the one who's holding it all together, and when he is holding us together, it makes us stronger. This makes the gathering of believers unique to any kind of gathering on earth. Any other kind of gathering on earth is altogether in a different category than when believers gather together. Why? Because when believers gather together, God shows up with us. He is the one who adheres us together. When we gather together. That's different than any other kind. I don't care if it's a social club. I don't care if it's a a library. I don't care what kind of gathering it is. The gathering of believers is so much different, so much more powerful than any kind of gathering on earth. We are bound together not just by a set of beliefs or doctrines, but by the supernatural presence of God. That's how we are bound together. And you see this in Matthew chapter 18. God says here, Jesus says for where two or three are gathered in my name there am I in the midst of them. You see, when we gather together with other believers, there is something we receive from God that we receive from nowhere else on this earth. His presence is uniquely upon a gathering of believers. This means we don't have to do life alone. It means you don't live in isolation. You don't live where it's just you tucked away, nestled in your own life. It means that you have a group of Believers. Some of you guys might understand this uh, a little bit better. The Christian life isn't meant to be like Rambo, it's meant to be like Banda Brothers. And be you know, you're off doing your own thing, hoping everything works out. You know what it is? It's this band of brothers who come together in the midst of battle, who come together in the midst of discouragement, who come, to ba- come together in the, in the midst of problems and situations and things you wish you didn't have to go to. But you have this band of brothers that God has uniquely placed his hand upon. He's uniquely placed his presence in. That's what God wants us to do. Gather together with other believers. You know, here's the truth. The enemy wants you to think you're alone. He does. He wants you to think that it's just you. The enemy wants you to live isolated from other believers. It's true. The enemy wants you to live by yourself, isolated from other believers. He wants you to think that the best way you can do the Christian life is by yourself. In battle, the enemy, in in any kind of battle, the enemy wants to cut you off from everybody else he wants you to cut you off from the supply line. He wants to cut someone off from... He wants, to, he wants to go straight down the middle, cut you off, cut it in half. Why? Because when something's divided, it's easier to conquer. See, When you're discouraged, when you're going through the ringer, so to speak, when when the problems, the pity parties, the situations, and the depression start to set in, for some reason, our tendency is to isolate. This is true. When we're going through a problem, when we're going through a situation... Our tendency as humans, I don't know why, it's just, it's just something, it's just a natural instinct tendency, is to separate from other people, is to isolate. It's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. It's exactly what makes you weaker as a believer. So when our tendency is to, to, to break away, God is trying to tell us this morning that there is a better way than that. He has brought together a group of people, imperfect though they are, a group of people who want to come around you, that want to fight alongside you. You may feel alone this morning, but you have a team. You have a band of brothers. You have a squad who are with you. When you're in battle and under attack, what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to, to break away. That's our tendency, but, When you're in battle, and what I would assume any military man knows, or anybody anybody in general knows if they like military movies, when you're in battle and you're under attack, you're taking fire from every direction, you don't split up. You know what you do? You close ranks. You get closer together. You remember the Roman Empire when they—they're the reason they were such a powerful empire is because whenever they were, they, they knew how to train their legions so that they came together and they had their. You guys ever seen the movie where they had their shields all together? And when someone broke away from that group of shields, that's when they got picked off. God is saying, "I've built, I've designed for you a group of people so you can gather together. You don't have to, you don't scatter. You close ranks. You come together as a team, and that's when you're stronger. That's what God wants us to do. When you're in battle, in attack, you pull closer together. Have you? made yourself a part of Christian community, who's in your squad? Who's in your band of believers? Oh, for real. I mean, who's in your squad? I'm talking about the mother-in-law that's living halfway across the country, that, that guy you know on Facebook who's a good guy. I'm talking about the people you know that are in your life. Who's in your tomb? Who's on your tomb? Who knows you that's right in there with you? That when you are in a difficult time, that's the person you want to go to. Who's, who's in your band of believers? In the book of Acts, the phrase, with one accord, you see six times. Six times it's, it's, it's written in the book of Acts, with one accord. They lived with one accord. That meant that the believers lived in unity together. That's essentially what they meant. They, they lived in unity. They were, they were headed in the same direction, fighting for the same cause, reaching for the next level together. You, you, put it to you this way. It's like uh, how all of us just sang a couple minutes ago. We all sing, and we're all singing the same song. We're all being led in the same direction. We're all singing together in unison, in worship, in one direction, to one person. We sang with one accord. Some of you sounded like dying cats when you were singing, but we sang with one accord. What we did in song, what we did in song is what God wants us to do in life. You see, God doesn't want us to just sing with one accord to Him. He wants us to live with one accord with other believers to Him. The early believers didn't spread out and leave each other when Jesus ascended. They came even closer together. That's the first thing they do. Isn't that curious? The first thing they do when Jesus leaves isn't scatter. Is they come together. They lost the most most important figure in human history. They understood, okay, Jesus is ascended up into heaven. The Holy Spirit's coming soon. He hasn't come yet. What we need to do is we need to gather together. We need to close ranks. We need to come together. So this is what the early church knew, what the early church's theme was, that can be our theme as well. Now, let's see what the disciples did when they gathered together. This is important. What did they do when they gathered together? They were a tight-knit group of people. So whatever they did when they gathered together, we can learn from that. Look at verse number 14. These all continued with one accord, there's that, there's that phrase, in prayer and supplications with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples, they gathered together in an upper room of a house, an intimate space, a close space, not a great hall, not a temple, not a middle school, but in a closed space. And the first thing they chose to do as a group was to pray this is the last thing you'd think the disciples should do yet it is the most important thing they could do they should get a game plan right they should figure out as a group all right how are we going to work this out jesus he's just ascended don't know when he's coming back could be soon could be hundreds of years we don't know jesus just ascended we got to get a game plan how are we going to get the word out we can do Facebook ads. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get the word out? We're gonna tell people, we're gonna put some A-frame signs on the street. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get people? How are we gonna spread the gospel? That's what, that's what they should have been doing, right? That's what you'd think they should be doing. Get a game plan together, get a strategy, get some, get some business model where they can get the people to come in. The first thing they do is not get a business model together. First thing they do is pray. First thing to do is come together and pray. That was their first priority. Here's what they knew. When believers come together in unity and prayer, God shows up. And that is when things start to happen. That is when life change happens. When believers come together in prayer, things change. When believers join together in prayer, God is present. He is not deaf that he cannot hear. And he is not mute that he will not answer your prayers. God answers prayers. The power of prayer cannot be overstated I, this is—it's an amazing thing. We come together at Connect Groups, and we, we pray together, and we have a running list. I, I think I missed some stuff. But we have a we have a running list of all the answered prayers that we see in our Connect Group, and I have a, sub, a couple of them written down with me this morning. And uh, so we, we've been praying for—we've been praying for Trish that her joint pain would be healed, and it has been. That's an answered prayer group. We've been praying for uh, my uncle's cancer a couple months ago that he'd be healed from cancer. He had a surgery, he's healed from cancer. We've been praying for someone else that their work schedule would change. Their work schedule changed. We've been praying for a guy named Dustin that his cancer would shrink it did. We've been praying for John uh, John's back, that he'd find healing for his back. He's found healing for his back. We've been praying for Lee's Bible study, that now they're meeting twice a week. We've been praying for a man named Andre, that his surgery would go well. It went well. We've been praying for, praying for Blake Rupel that he would graduate from boot camp. He graduated from boot camp. We've been praying for uh, a bunch of people, and we have seen answered prayer after answered prayer. Why? Because when people pray, God shows up, and when God shows up, he changes things. That's the power of prayer. You cannot overstate it. Old preachers used to say, when I work, I work. When I pray, God works. And that's the truth. When I work, that's all I can do is work. When I work, I work. When, when, God, when I pray, God begins to... He is now brought into the situation. You see, sometimes we think we need a plan. Sometimes we think we need a position. Sometimes we think we need more possessions. What we really need is more prayer. You see, when, uh, when plans, when positions and possessions fail... Prayer does not. The enemies of heaven tremble when believers gather together in prayer. Because prayer is a spiritual force that is unstoppable, and it is powerful, and it is supernatural. When one believer prays, heaven leans in to listen. Imagine what happens when a whole group of believers gather together and pray. God answers prayer. See, prayer is the most important part of Christian community. It connects us to God. It connects us with other believers. It connects us to each other. And it's how we, watch this, it's how we bear each other's burdens. You know, all of us, all of us here this morning, are bearing some type of burden. It may be a heavy burden, maybe a light burden. All of us are bearing burdens. We may not look like it because we're all dressed nice. We may have a smile on our face, but we're all bearing burdens. I'm bearing burdens. My wife is bearing burdens. You're bearing burdens. All of us are bearing burdens. I don't care how young you are. Care how old you are. Care how educated you are or how rich you are. We are all bearing burdens. When we gather together in prayer, this is this is such an amazing thing that God's orchestrated this. He's He's designed this to be to be so. When we come together in prayer, what we can do with our burdens and what, what other people want to do for us, what we can do and what other people want to do, we can take our burdens, or at least a part of our burdens, off of our own back, off of our own heart in our own mind. And we can share that burden with somebody else or share that burden with a group of people so that we are no longer the only ones bearing that burden. There are other people gathered around us bearing that burden for us and giving that burden to God for us isn't an amazing thing that God has designed so you don't have to bear your burdens alone. Everything you're going through, it is not just you that has to go through it. God's saying you can bear those, you can give those burdens to other people. And yes, there are other people who want to bear your burdens with you and for you and give them to God for you. It's an amazing thing. One of the most amazing things in the Christian life is that we can allow other people to bear our burdens for us and with us. Christian community means you don't have to bear your burdens alone. Christian community is a gathering of people who want to share in your burdens. I'm here to tell you this morning that you don't have to bear the weight of your burdens alone because there's a gathering of believers who are surrounding you who want to bear that burden with you. You don't have to rely on the strength of your own hands because there are praying hands surrounding you. That's good news. Uh, We can't get excited about that. Then we should just leave right now, right? You don't have to rely on the strength of your own hands. There are praying hands surrounding you. I don't know what's holding you down, but I do know that there's, there's those around you who want to hold you up. Have you ever, have you shared your burdens? Maybe life is weighing you down because you haven't let others lift you up. Is there a group of believers? When you say, okay, well, people, people pray for me. Is there a group of believers, watch this, who know how to pray for you? Is there a group of, is there a group of people who know how to pray for you? Let me just say, oh, I hope that you know Joe Schmiel, I hope God bless him. Well, they don't know how to pray for you because you haven't told them. You haven't shared that burden with, with them. You're bearing it alone still, isolating yourselves. Don't do that. Come together. Close ranks. Give that burden with someone else. Close ranks. You see this in Galatians chapter six: Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, there's so there's, there's this two-way street that that prayer involves. We're, we're, we're always praying to God, but we're trying to bear someone else's burdens. And we're trying to give some of our burdens to other people. See how that goes? See, I want to I I uh, give someone else my burdens, but I also want to bear someone else's burdens. You know why that's important? When I, that I, get to, I have the privilege of being able to bear someone else's burdens because in that moment, I am being Jesus to that person. In that moment, I am saying, "Yeah, I want to bear your burdens, just as Jesus bore my sin on the cross." I want to help bear your burdens in some small way in prayer. That's not the only reason why bearing other people's burdens is because when we when we give when we share our burdens with other people, and then we are allowed to bear burdens for other people, you know what happens in our hearts and in our minds? We, we, We you know what we're able to say and realize? Oh, it's not just me who's going through that. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, you have that moment where it's, oh, it's not just me who's going, it's not just me who doesn't have this perfect life. That's what we recognize when we bear other people's burdens. Not just, man, I'm being Jesus, this person. You say, like, wow, okay, so, so it's not just me who doesn't have an Instagrammable photo, photographic life. Has this perfect, picture perfect life where everyone's smiling, happy, has bunches of money, has nice clothes all the time. It's not just me who isn't like that. I, uh, she's messed up as I am, right? <laughs> so they're, they're just as messed up as I We're all on the same boat. We're able to say, okay, it's not just me who's going through tough time. It's not just me who's discouraged. It's, just, it's not just me who has bills. It's not just me who has these things that they're going through. It's all of us coming together, sharing our burdens, bearing other people's burdens to God. It's an amazing thing. Community is for bearing and sharing burdens in prayer, and that is important. But I want to show you, why this is one of the most important things a believer in church can do. Why is this so important? Look at verse number, uh, look at chapter 2, verse number, uh, verse number 1, 14, 41, right behind me. <clears throat> this is an important thing. This is, this is really cool. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, this is after they come together in that upper room to pray. Pentecost is after this. This is, the, this is a holy day in the, in the Jewish community, very holy day, one of the most holy days in the entire year. They were all with one accord, there's that phrase again, in one place, but Peter, standing up with the eleven other disciples, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, uh, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Verse number 41, Peter preaches to all those people, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. One of the most important events in church history takes place in Acts chapter 2. The disciples come to the temple on a Jewish holiday when thousands of Jews, tens of thousands of Jews, would be gathered together from all over the Roman Empire, gathered together in this one temple at Jerusalem. They'd all be gathered together. This is after they've met and prayed and, and sought God in this upper room. Days after that, they come to Pentecost. All these thousands of people. Peter stands up in front of all of these people with the eleven other disciples and he, he preaches to tens of thousands of people in the temple area. And as he preaches and gives them the gospel and tells them about Jesus who's uh, died and was buried and was resurrected the third day for them to give them eternal life. He, he preaches Jesus to them, three thousand people trust Jesus Christ, and in that same day they get baptized. One of the most important events in, in church history. We are to this day feeling the effects of this day at Pentecost. The question is, how were they able to do this? How is it that they were? How is it that they were able to see and evangelize like this? Here's why. Long before the disciples came to Pentecost, they got up with such power in confidence in Jesus Christ, long before they got up and preached Jesus to thousands of people and 3,000 believed and were baptized, long before that ever happened, you see a couple of people gather secluded, not a great hall, not a temple, but in, in a house, in an intimate space. They gather together and they pray together. They come together as a group of believers, a Christian community they pray and they seek God and they encourage one another. They, they bear their burdens to other people and other people bear their burdens. They share each other's burdens. They come together. See, long before the disciples gathered at a temple in front of thousands, they had gathered in a little upper room of a house, serving each other and lifting each other's burdens in prayer. When we serve each other, we are empowered to serve others. When we serve each other, we're empowered by God to serve other people. Christian community doesn't just change us, it empowers us to change the world. Why should we gather together? Because God has something to give us to give to the world. Because God wants to do something in us so that we can do something in the world. That's why we have to gather together because that's an integral part of evangelizing the world. Christian community allows God to shine our life into our community, lifting each other's burdens, praying for each other. God is shaping us into an elite force for gospel change in our community. We do this when we gather together in Christian community. You see this in Matthew chapter five, verse number 13. You're the salt of the earth. The salt have lost its savor. Salt loses its saltiness. Where shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, the Bible says. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let me put it to you this way. I have a flashlight with me. This flashlight works under one condition. We all know this. When, uh, when you take the batteries out, no light comes out of flashlight, right? Yeah, not, okay, you guys are with me. You guys are awake. Some of you take the, the 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 batteries out. No light. So how do you get light to the flashlight? How do you get this to shine in the dark places? How do you get this to shine in the places that 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 uh, that need the light? How do you get to this this places where the people need it? What you need is batteries. Remember the old ones growing up. You need 20 batteries in one of them and it lasted five minutes. You get the batteries. You have to get the plus and minus right, right? You guys ever got that mixed up, the plus and minus in the wrong place? You have to get the you have to get them all headed in the same direction, plus and minus headed in the same direction. It's not just one of them. If I was to close this up right now and try to turn on the light with just one of them in it, it wouldn't work. Because you need you need more than one. You don't just need more than one, you need more than one. Headed in the right direction. You need them all going in the same direction. And then once you get them all headed in the the same direction, multiples, not just one, multiples, headed in the same direction, you close it up. And when you get all the batteries headed in the right direction, working in sync, working with one accord, that's when the light is able to turn on and scatter the darkness what is this? What does this mean? What does this mean? When we're gathered together as believers, that's when we're equipped. That's when we're empowered to shine a light in the dark places. That's when we're empowered by God to shine a light in the dark places, to, to give the light of the gospel to those people who need it. You see, if we're if we're not working together, if we're not gathering together, yes, we won't be able to grow personally. Yes, individually, there's going to have problems. Yes, we won't bear our burdens. But more importantly than any of that, there are people who are missing out on the gospel when we are not gathering together as other people, as, as believers. We have to be gathering together as believers, working together in sync with one accord, headed in the same direction. That is when we are able to make a gospel change in our community. So the question is very simple this morning. Are we doing that? When Christians come together in one accord, that's when we're able to shine the brightest, give hope to those who are searching for the light. So who is in your band of believers?